Let us pray. O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people to be a light, to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. These are the words that Simeon sings out in this great passage today as we celebrate the feast of the presentation of Jesus in the temple. This is a great feast that is not uh, well known in our modern world, but was a big deal in the ancient church. And it is the final feast of the season of Epiphany, the last amazing testimony about the birth of Jesus Christ. Here, we are told that Jesus will be that light to lighten the Gentiles, that he is the salvation of all people, the salvation of the world. And this feast day, sometimes called the Feast of the Purification of the Virgin Mary or Candlemas, falls on February 2nd, which was this past Friday, which is exactly 40 days after the Feast of Christmas. And there are records of great celebrations of this feast day going way back into the 300s. And it's deeply rooted in Jewish tradition because according to the law of Moses, a woman was considered unclean for 40 days after giving birth, and then she would come to the temple and present herself for purification, and if her child was the firstborn son, she would come to present him to the Lord. And there was an offering that was to be brought, and the offering that was to be brought was a perfect lamb that was to be brought to sacrifice to the Lord. But there was provision made for the poor, and the poor, if they could not afford to bring a lamb, could bring two pigeons or turtle doves. And this is what we see Mary bringing with her. And if you look on the cover of your service leaflet, you will see this scene depicted. Uh, the painting of the presentation by our own Charles D'Antonio may look familiar to you, and the reason is that it hangs in our narthex right over the door as you come in to worship each Sunday. And it is a reminder that we are all to present ourselves to the Lord. But it is a feast day that we would do well to learn from, and it is a beautiful thing that we have all these baptisms on the feast of the presentation, because I can think of no more appropriate time to do that. But this particular presentation of Jesus in the temple was no ordinary presentation because it is full of the work and the testimony of the Holy Spirit all over this event. And as we saw in our gospel story, Mary and Joseph come, they bring the required offering, and so far that seems fairly normal. But then things start getting really interesting because we hear this story of Simeon, Simeon who's mentioned nowhere else in the Bible, but we are told that Simeon is a faithful man who's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he's waited day after day for the Lord's promise to be fulfilled because he was told by the Lord that he would not see death until he had seen the promised Messiah. And on this particular morning, Simeon feels a stirring of the Holy Spirit, and he goes in, and he 
although he went into this crowded temple and had never met Mary or Joseph or seen Jesus, the Holy Spirit directs him right to Mary and Joseph, and he walks up to them and then bursts forth into the song that I quoted a moment ago, and then he literally takes this promised Messiah in his arms and looks into the eyes of this baby, the one who will save the world. It is a profound and moving thing. And even Joseph and Mary marvel at what he's saying because it is further testimony of what the angels sang to the shepherds and then the shepherds said to Mary and what the angels had said to Mary and Joseph that Jesus is that promised Messiah. And then as if that were not enough, this prophetess Anna, who has been in this place of worship for decades daily in the temple, she is drawn to what is happening and she recognizes Jesus and burst into praise and thanksgiving and song as well. And all of this happens so that they are fulfilling the law of the Lord and they are encouraged by what has happened. But as we look at this story, I believe that there are three themes that are really important for us today that hit us exactly where we live in our day-to-day -day lives. And the first one of those is the theme of waiting. The second is the theme of a long obedience. And the third is the theme of joyful fulfillment. So first, waiting. How many of you like to wait? It's your favorite thing to do. If you had your vacation and you could plan your perfect day off, would you sign up to go sit in the DMV all day? <laughs> waiting is something that we don't enjoy. And according to social scientists, we live in the most impatient generation in the history of the world. We want what we want right now, and we do not want to wait, and we get angry and frustrated when we have to wait, when things don't happen like that. Listen to this excerpt written by a college student in a major college newspaper recently. If I watch a movie at my apartment with my roommates, chances are I can't go the whole movie without pulling out my phone and scrolling through social media. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. And I'm willing to bet it's true for you as well. Our patience is gone. Our attention spans are absolutely nothing. To what do I credit this? Technology, social media, and the iPhone. We do not want to wait for anything any longer. For example, how many of you feel like when you're waiting on your ramen to warm up, if you don't know what ramen is, this is what poor college students eat. I don't recommend it, it's disgusting. It's not even good for you. How many of you feel like when you're waiting on your ramen to warm up in the microwave, it is the most grueling 90 seconds of your whole life? I mean, I used to patiently wait for my mom to cook us a big family meal, and when she would call out 30 minutes till dinner, I would be thrilled. Now I find myself pacing impatiently until the microwave beeps. Or what about the way we relentlessly check our phones? If something doesn't load in two seconds, we angrily hit refresh. If a web page doesn't come up first try, we curse the Wi-Fi. How absurd we are. We've become so used to the quick pace of our life that we refuse to stop and look around at the life we're actually living. 
We forget that dinner is supposed to be a meal eaten with friends and family gathered around our table, not stuffed into our mouths so we can move on to the next thing, rushing. We spend so much time trying to refresh our feed and look at the lives of what's happening to other people on our phone that we forget that our own lives are actually happening around us and they're not in our phone. We need to find our patience again. We need to slow down and learn to wait. Waiting is a theme that is deeply rooted in Scripture. Today's passage uses the Greek word prostokomai, which means waiting and looking forward to something. It's not just an endless waiting, but it's a waiting that has a goal, something that you are expecting and looking forward to. When it's understood properly, it's deeply related to the concept of longing, longing with our heart for something. God's people in Scripture wait over and over again, not in pointless wasting their time, but in longing for the fulfillment of what God has promised to them. In the Old Testament, you see the people of Israel waiting and praying for their deliverance from captivity in Egypt. We see them waiting as they wander in the desert, longing for that promised land that they know is coming. We see them waiting in exile and captivity in Babylon and other places, longing to be delivered. And throughout the whole Old Testament, we see all of these scriptures pointing to the idea that God is one day going to send a Messiah to save this broken world and to make everything right. And that longing pervades those scriptures. In the New Testament, we see Mary, after the angel comes to her, waiting for this miraculous child to grow in her and for that birth on Christmas. And then we see her in today's passage, waiting those 40 days before she can come to the temple for the presentation. We see in the scriptures that waiting is often a key part of God's plan for his people a way that he works on preparing hearts and minds and souls to renew our strength and to behold and to fully embrace the promised things of his kingdom. Is there a place or a situation in your own life where you are frustrated and perhaps you have not noticed that God may be calling you to wait? He may be wanting to do something in your life. Are you waiting just with frustration or are you waiting with faith and with longing, waiting with faith and longing, trusting that the Lord is at work in this time of waiting? We need to recover the spiritual discipline of waiting on the Lord, which is closely related to our next theme, which is the theme of a long obedience. A long obedience is a rare thing to think about in our culture. And I want you to just think about Movies or TV shows you've seen lately, and who are the heroes of those stories? In case you haven't noticed, it's never the old people. <laughs> Speaking as an old person, uh, I can say that when you start looking, you realize that everyone who is the lead in one of these things looks to be 25 to 35 and really buff. And those of us who are old are not particularly thought of in our culture as people to emulate. But one of the things that you see in Scripture is that this concept of a long obedience and a life lived 
in faith and waiting on God is to be commended. And it's interesting that the heroes of this passage today are Simeon and Anna. And they're kind of like the one-hit wonders of the 1960s. The only page of the Bible where they show up is this page. And yet, they are ordinary people whose hearts were longing for God and seeking to obey him over a long period of time. There's a wonderful book that I want to commend to you that's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction that is written by Eugene Peterson, the late Presbyterian minister, perhaps best known for the message uh, paraphrase of the Bible. And the subtitle of A Long Obedience in the Same Direction is Discipleship in an Instant Society. And what he does is to contrast in that book the approach of being a pilgrim, a pilgrim that is someone throughout most of the Christian faith who was focused toward a goal that they were longing for. Pilgrimages that we study about in literature were long journeys that ultimately went to somewhere that was a place where God was believed to have done something miraculous. Pilgrimages were difficult, but they were worth it because of what you were seeking after. Contrast that with the idea of being a tourist, which is something we're very familiar with in Charleston. If you're a tourist rather than a pilgrim, you just hop from place to place, you take a few pictures on your phone and post them on Instagram and then go on to the next thing. You are not deeply invested in your journey and you're certainly not waiting long for anything. There are some things that just take time. The long obedience that we see in Scripture is framed by three things that people lean into for long obedience. One is the Word of God, the Scriptures. The second thing is the things of the kingdom of God, looking at the promises of the kingdom. And then thirdly, the people of God, leaning into fellowship. One of the things that is, I think, an example of why some things take time is a perhaps silly example that I hope you will be able to relate to. If you were to go down the street and walk into Harris Teeter and go down the aisle, you would find an array of boxes. And those boxes on the cover would have this beautiful art of this giant serving of luscious looking mashed potatoes with butter melting and maybe a little steam coming off so much that you could almost taste them looking at the picture. And if you look at the back of the box, it will tell you that that pulverized matter that's inside, when you add some hot water to it, is going to magically transform into what's on the cover of the box. And I'm sorry to tell you if you haven't found this out, it's a lie. If you really want mashed potatoes that look like that box cover and that more importantly taste like what it's portraying, you have to get a beautiful Idaho potato. You have to bake it after you've salted the skin. You have to cook it for the right amount of time. You have to scoop it after you've crunched it a little bit, scoop it out of that jacket, then you have to mash it all up, you have to add salt and pepper and butter and maybe some cream, and then you have to cook it a little bit more, and then you have this glorious thing that's portrayed on the box cover. But that takes time, it takes effort. 
Somebody has to work on the potato. It doesn't just magically become that. And that's part of the idea of a long obedience. Following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit, a long obedience in the same direction. It is a time during which the Holy Spirit works on our lives, transforming us in the same way that a sculptor starts with this giant block of stone and little by little by little chips and chips until a beautiful image begins to emerge. This whole idea of discipleship is something that we're in danger of losing in this age of instant gratification. So these two folks here, Simeon and Anna, who are ordinary people playing bit parts are important to us as examples because they are shown to be examples of exactly the kind of long obedience that the scriptures are mentioning. They have been waiting. They have been waiting for something, believing it was coming, the consolation and redemption of Israel. And they've been staying close to the temple. They've been leaning into God's word. They've been hoping each day as they come each morning, decade after decade after decade, hoping that this would be the day. Simeon is a man waiting for the fulfillment of this promise, and then Anna, who is a young woman, joyfully getting married probably as a teenager, married for seven years, and then her husband dies. And then she is a widow for at least six decades. And rather than becoming bitter and saying, God, why did you do this to me? Instead, she leans into the word of God and the things of God's kingdom and the worship of God. And what happens is her heart becomes transformed to a heart that wants to praise God. And she and Simeon both show this long obedience, longing day after day because they trust the faithfulness of the Lord. They don't trust themselves or their ability to wait. They trust the faithfulness of the Lord. And part of what they are doing is an example to us because they have lived these lives of a long obedience. And because of that, they have wisdom and spiritual insight. As we said, as soon as Jesus comes in with Mary and Joseph in this crowded temple, that insight and wisdom that comes from years of following Jesus, following God for them allows Simeon to see and recognize Jesus. When was the last time that you asked an older person, an older Christian, for wisdom? It is a practice that we need to cultivate because wisdom and a long obedience is not simply endurance that's a desperate hanging on, but it is a traveling from strength to strength. It is profoundly biblical to seek wisdom from older Christians. It's something we need to re-engage. Do you sometimes feel like I do, worn out with waiting, feeling like that you have waited and waited, and you're sometimes just ready to give up because you've been trying, you've been trying to do the right thing, and it just doesn't seem like anything is happening? What I would suggest to you is that you learn from this waiting and long obedience that we see in Simeon and Anna and that you refocus instead of on your problem or what you're waiting for, but refocus on God's word, on the things of his kingdom, and fellowship with his people. 
not focusing on your feelings, but focusing on the truths that we know from Scripture are true and trustworthy. These things will help us to be able to practice this sort of long obedience. One of the remarkable things about this whole idea of long obedience is that it prepares us for the last theme that we see, which is joyful fulfillment. This is not a waiting that is like that waiting that you see in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in Narnia, where it's always winter, but never Christmas. Can you imagine? This, instead, is the waiting that knows that Christmas is coming, that knows the joy of that, and doesn't know the exact time, but knows the certainty of the fulfillment of the promise. Imagine the joy that was in Simeon's heart when he felt the Holy Spirit stirring when he went into the temple that morning, and then when the Holy Spirit leads him to Jesus, someone who he has imagined in his heart for all of his life, and he not only gets to look in the eyes of that baby, but to hold God's salvation in his arms. Or think of Anna, this woman who has had this life of waiting and waiting and waiting in the temple, and then seeing the joy that happens with Simeon and this baby, she joins in and starts singing out praises to God and telling everyone. And it's easy when you read Scripture to think, oh, that's just what people did back then. But that was weird. People didn't stand up in the temple and just start doing that. It would be like someone standing up right now and start singing at the top of your lungs a praise song. It is not what happens normally. But Anna was filled with the Holy Spirit because of the joy that she had experienced because she had looked on the face of the one who had been promised through the ages, through all of the Hebrew scriptures, and he had arrived and she was witnessing that moment. It is an amazing thing. And even Joseph and Mary marvel as these further confirmations of the word that the angel spoke to them come true right before their eyes. Now for us, if we're honest, sometimes waiting feels like suffering. We don't understand why we're waiting. We don't understand why it's taking so long. But when we reframe our mindset for waiting, when we wait and we long for the fulfillment of the Lord's promise and his kingdom, we see the truth that is expressed in Romans 5, where it says suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope, hope that does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Waiting, long obedience, and joyous fulfillment. My friends, don't give up. Remember this, you are not waiting on the DMV. You are waiting on the Lord of the universe who longs to give you the things of his kingdom. Eugene Peterson, who wrote that long obedience book, was famous for preaching in every sermon this deep truth that reflects the themes we're talking about. God loves you. God loves you. God loves each and every one of you. He is on your side. He is coming after you, and he is relentless. 
When God promises something in his word, the sure things of his kingdom, what we long for in faith, the salvation that Jesus brings, we have a sure and certain hope. We have a hope of their fulfillment either in this life or in the life to come where we have that glorious promise in Revelation 21 that we will be with the Lord, we will see him face to face, and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. That is something worth waiting for. I want to close with a prayer that is based on the words of a song that we're going to sing shortly. Please bow your heads. By faith the prophet saw a day when the longed-for Messiah would appear with the power to break the chains of sin and death and rise triumphant from the grave. By faith the church was called to go in the power of the Spirit to the lost to deliver captives and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward, till the race is finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, give us grace and faith to wait on you with a long obedience in the same direction until the joyous fulfillment of your promises in that last great day. For Jesus' sake, amen.